You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rena talked about some great shows in the future. We have a great show tonight featuring Claude La Lumiere. His new book is The Book of Lost Pages. He's going to read from it. It is superb. Then we'll hear from Gregory Teed and Lori Lee Gilleheim reading a new uh, short story by Richard Lupoff, the incomparable and wonderful Richard Lupoff. It's going to be a great night. Let's hear it for Claude La Lumiere. Hi, I'm happy to be back. This is my second time here. So um, as Rick said, I'll be reading from The Door to Lost Pages, which is um, neither a novel nor a collection. It's what I like to call a mosaic. It's a series of linked stories that together form a, a larger picture. And I'll be reading two excerpts. I'll be reading um, uh, about half of chapter two, which is called Let Evil Beware, and uh, the entire epilogue, uh, which is called um, The Lost and Found of Years. And they're very contrasting, as you'll see. So, let evil beware. Hi, I'm Billy. I'm here to get my stuff. It was nine, Thursday morning, Eighty had just opened up Lost Pages Bookshop for the day. This was the first time she had done it by herself, and already she felt out of her depth. She'd started the day confident she could handle anything. Your stuff? You're new here, right? Where's Lucas? What's your name? What do you know about monsters? <laughs> hey, slow down, Billy, Eighty said, remembering the little boy's name. You don't look much older than me. Do you really work here? For a moment, the two children f faced each other down. Why was this annoying kid giving her a hard time? Exasperated, Adie broke the duel and busied herself tidying the counter. She sighed and said, Yeah, I do. I work here. Listen, Lucas will be back soon. Adie would be glad to shoot a strange little boy onto Lucas. He should have warned her about him. What else should she know but hadn't been told? Billy looked around. He must be walking the dogs, right? That's right. Well, maybe you can help me in the meantime. He rummaged through his knapsack and pulled out some sheets of paper. Do you know anything about this critter? I think it's a low bunny. He pointed at a drawing of a rabbit with giant fangs and <laughs> yellow scales. But I'm not sure. He pressed on, oblivious to her, to her anxiety. What about these? He indicated a roundish construct made up of smaller, multicolored spheres. These, I'm pretty sure, are the bouncing balls of Boom World. Or what about these? He showed her a picture of naked men and women with rainbow skin. I have no idea where they come from. Do you? Adie was saved from the barrage of questions by the arrival of Lucas's dogs. They swarmed over Billy and greeted him enthusiastically. The boy was playfully wrestling with some of the dogs when Lucas spotted him. Billy, how you doing? I haven't seen you around for a few weeks. 
Yeah, I just couldn't get away. Family stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Lucas nodded knowingly. Hmm, school must be over by now, right? Yeah, I'm free, but I got lots of work to do today. Busy dreams last night? You bet. Take a look at these. He handed over his drawings to Lucas. You don't usually dream about Yamish a lot, the bookseller said with concern, inspecting the, the pictures. Adi's blood grew cold at the mention of the dark god's name. Sometimes she thought it was crazy to stay here where she was confronted with these kinds of dangers. But then she remembered that when she had almost fallen prey to Yamish Lot, she, had, she hadn't heard of him or of lost pages. She strained her neck to get a glimpse of Billy's drawing, but there was no detail, only a black mass inside a thick white border. Billy dismissed Lucas's anxieties. Don't worry, that border, that means he's still contained. It's all under control. <laughs> Lucas nodded approvingly at the boy's words, but Adie wasn't convinced. Just who and what was this strange little boy? How could he be a match for the Lord of Nightmares? Lucas continued to leaf through the boy's stack. He stopped and gasped, and his eyes grew wide. Are these the purple zombie rats of the Spectroverse? Yeah, looks like they're back. Addressing his assistant, Lucas said, Aidy, can you look after the shop for a while? I'm going to be busy in the back with Billy, okay? <laughs> Billy attached the two big pouches that Lucas had given him to his bicycle rack. All kinds of sticks and things protruded every which way. He jumped on his bicycle and waved goodbye to Lucas and Aidy. Watching the eight-year-old boy right away, Aidy yelled, What was that? That, my dear, was Billy, the monster hunter. Don't be coy, Lucas. Tell me. What can I say? He keeps his monster hunting equipment here so his parents won't find it. And I help him out with research so he's well prepared when he comes up against the monsters he hunts. What's to tell? Fine. Be that way. <laughs> the boy's mom tucked him in. You know... You really should try to be more careful when you're out playing, my little darling. She gently brushed her lips over the bruise on his forehead. But mom, two weredevils from planet Ditka jumped me from behind while I was performing a rite to banish the purple zombie rats of the Spectroverse. I managed to suck them into the vortex I, I'd conjured for the zombie rats, but not before they got in a couple of good smacks. She sighed in exasperation, but the sigh turned into a chuckle. She beamed an amused smile at her son. Yes, Mom, I'll be more careful. But, he thought, the purple zombie rats of the Spectroverse are still on the loose. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'll get them. She kissed him on the cheek, rose, and turned off the light. Sweet dreams, my little man. Good night, Mom. She closed his bedroom door. Exhausted from his hectic day, the boy fell asleep immediately. He dreamt. He dreamt of the purple zombie rats of the Spectroverse again, of the stone ghouls of the bottomless pit, and the fireflies of doom, the giant vampire mosquitoes of Creepy Island, and the screaming hulk of Neospace, the lurking leeches of the Forbidden Zone. On the night table next to his bed, there was a fresh stack of white paper, and in a wooden mug, a bunch of well-sharpened color pencils. 
Tomorrow, another busy day awaited Billy the Monster Hunter. He would be ready. Let evil beware. Okay, so that was an excerpt from chapter two called Let Evil Beware. And uh, now we're going over to the coda, which is um, kind of a metafictional zoom out from the plot of, of the book. So this is actually the very end of the book, but it doesn't really give anything away. So the lost and found of years. Phone rings. It's Jasper. Says he wants a Montreal story for a new anthology he's preparing. Something about city. Go crazy, he says. Big money, he says. Hard, soft deal with Knopf and Vintage. HBO planning a miniseries based on his concept, adapting stories from his book for TV. Put in all the sex you want, he tells me. It's cable TV. Money, he says again. Right, money. But any of it for me, I ask? Tell Jasper about the bestial axe deal, the first story about my fictional bookshop, Lost Pages. Haynes bought the rights, made a film with Depp playing the Lucas character. Big indie hit. Didn't see a dime, not even a penny. Pringle took it all. Read your contract, he said. Fucking publishers. Tell Jasper I'll think about it. Money sounds like a good thing. No story ideas, though. Take the dog out for a walk. Look around. Maybe something in the neighborhood will spark an idea or two. Girlfriend always says I never notice anything. Always in my head, stores go out of business, new buildings go up, and I'm just clueless. Not really that bad, but she's not wrong either. I walk around with the dog, look at stuff, but I get no story ideas. Long walk, though. Makes the dog happy, at least. The girlfriend says, take that camera I got you for your birthday. You know, the one you never use. Take pictures of the neighborhood. It'll rev up your imagination. You'll think up a story in no time. Yeah, right. I go out with the dog again, and the camera. Meet lots of people from the neighborhood. Portuguese grandmothers who can't speak either French or English, cute McGill students, other dog walkers, clerks from the neighborhood bakeries, the newsstand, the used bookstores, people who know me because they see me walk the dog all the time. They all fuss over the dog. They always do. Dog just soaks it all in, waxes tail, smiles, pants. I don't manage to shoot any pictures. No inspiration getting depressed. Go to the park to play with the dog. Betcha Jasper never thought about how happy a stupid anthology would make my dog. Lots of dogs in the park. Dog loves it. Humps a bunch of them. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm too depressed. Can't play anymore. Head back home. Dog's not too happy about having to leave the park. The girlfriend gives me a good pep talk. We gab about Montreal. What's fun about it? What's special about it? All the different kinds of people, culturally, Interesting and diverse, no violence, people holding hands and kissing in public, gay, straight, whatever. Lots of sexy girls, great city to walk in 24 hours a day, easy to make friends. And the food, people love eating. All kinds of food and bakeries everywhere. Bagels, croissants, and baguettes, more than bad stuff. The paranoid Anglos who think their culture is threatened. Yeah, right. The gullible Francophones who believe all that tripe about being oppressed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nowhere near as many people like that as the media makes it appear. Most people just like to get along. Quebecois, Anglos, Jews, Arabs, Blacks, Asians, Latinos, whatever. More bad stuff. Everyone fucking smokes. Well, not everyone, but fuck. 
sure it feels like it. But, you know, everyone's always late, always. Montreal custom, hate that. Well, so what? Still no stories, still no ideas for a story. Ugh, fuck. The temperature shoots up 10 degrees today. The sky is clear and the sun is hot. Just a few degrees above freezing. But for us Montrealers, so eager to leave winter behind, it's like the first taste of summer. Go out to Rue Saint-Denis with a girlfriend. Same as every year on the first day with even a hint of spring. All the terraces are open for business, everyone eating outside, everyone underdressed, everyone checking each other out, everyone happy and chatty. Fuck, there's a lot of beautiful girls in this city. <laughs> it's nice to see a bit of flesh again after months of winter. The girlfriend notices me noticing. She laughs. She always does. I love it when she laughs. She gives me that look. I love that look. We go home and fuck. We have so much fun we can't stop laughing, even while we're coming. Still no idea for a story, though. I decide to try again with the camera. I don't bring the dog. I give him a cookie instead. He takes it in his mouth and plops himself on the couch. Okay, I'm outside. I've got the camera. Take pictures, lots of pictures, old school, with film. Buildings, skylines, people, dogs, trees, stuff on the ground. Run out of film pretty fast. Fun, though. Don't know if it'll help with the story or not. I go buy more rolls of film, lots more. What the hell? I feel good. I go home and write. I write a whole story in one sitting but it has nothing to do with Jasper's anthology. I reread my new story. I'm pretty happy with it. Needs only a bit of editing. A big turning point in my Lost Pages series. I send it off to Klima at Electric Velocipede. I try the camera thing again. Use up another whole roll. Fun, but no new story ideas today. Not for Jasper and not for anything else. I do the camera thing every day now. Sometimes I bring the dog, but it's too distracting. I end up taking lots of walks, camera walks and dog walks. I try to leave enough time for writing. Story for Jasper, books for Savory, novella for Casturi. Today, I notice something weird, but it's too freaky. I'll look at the pictures again tomorrow, probably too tired and seeing things. Halpern on the phone. Once a new Lost Pages story for Paul de Filippo uh, anthology. Ask about the money. Print on demand, he says. No money up front, but higher royalties. Royalties. Yeah, right. I tell him I'll think about it. In bed, trying to sleep. The girlfriend is snoring. It's kind of cute. Makes me smile, but restless anyway. Didn't use the camera today. Dog walks only. Didn't write anything. Didn't look at the pictures. Don't want to deal with it. Too weird. Can't get to sleep. Get up. Go look at the pictures. I look at the pictures of the row of houses across the street from our house. I spread them on the desk, compare them, and there it is. I can't deny it. I look out the window of my office across the street to that house, and there it is. Fuck. Should I wake her up? Fuck. That makes her grumpy. She'd bite my head off. I'm going to wait till morning. Go back to sleep. Can't sleep. I have to tell someone. Show someone. I whisper my girlfriend's name. Touch her shoulder. 
She mumbles, doesn't really wake up. I try harder, say her name, once, twice, a little shake. She mumbles again, turns away from me. I shake her harder, say her name, and you have to wake up, I need to talk to you. She turns toward me, opens her eyes. She's not happy. <laughs> she gets up, reluctantly, puts on a t-shirt. Dog lifts his head to see what's going on, but then he moves around and he settles on my pillow. I drag the girlfriend to my office. She's annoyed, but not biting my head off. Good. She can tell that I'm really upset. Takes it seriously. Takes me seriously. I show her. Look, I say. Look, look. I point to that house on a whole bunch of different photos. She doesn't get it. She says, it's that house across the street. So what? I say, don't you notice something weird? She doesn't get it. I drag her to the window. I point to the house across the street. Look, look. I hold a picture of that row of houses in each hand, pictures from two different days. Look at these, then look outside. That house, there, don't you see? No, she doesn't. Fuck, why the fuck did you wake me up, she says. Is this another of your stupid jokes, she says. No, we fight. Gets ugly. She gets dressed and storms out of the house. I shouldn't have woken her up. Okay, calm down. Fuck, fuck, fuck! Stupid house! Fuck you, stupid fucking house across the street. The girlfriend always says I don't see anything. But now she's the one not noticing, not seeing. But why not? Fuck, this is too weird. Plus, she's mad at me. I hate it when we fight. This is all Jasper's fault, stupid fucking anthology. Okay, calmer now. I look at the pictures again. Then I look at the house. Fuck! Every day, it's a different house. Every day, that house changes. It's not the same house from one day to the next. Okay, stop reiterating. No matter how I say it, it still sounds crazy. One day, it's a well-kept red brick duplex. The next, it's a triplex. It's one of those famous outdoor staircases. And then, it becomes an ugly 1970s apartment building with half the windows boarded up. And then, a gorgeous old-fashioned place with big gray stonework. Then, a yuppie townhouse. Then, a croissanterie, a travel agency. Condo development, a pet shop, an empty lot, a small park with nice big trees and a couple of benches, a narrow house with a driveway on the side in the same style as ours. I look out the window again. Right now, it's a barber shop. Can't sleep. Get dressed. Go for a nighttime walk with the dog. He growls when I get him out of bed. By the time we're outside, he's happy enough. Wagging, sniffing, running. I do not look at the house across the street. Breakfast. I make pancakes, sausages, with maple syrup. The girlfriend is back, not talking to me, but sits with me while we eat, so things not too bad. <laughs> Tea for her, orange juice for me. I don't mention the house. I don't say anything. We eat. She has to go to work. She almost gives me a hug, stops herself, then hugs me anyway. Okay, things are good. I decide to never mention that house again. When I sit at my desk, I can see that house through the window. Today, it's a teepee. <laughs> Maybe I should move my office around so I don't see outside while I work. I stare out the window all the time. I try to see the house change, to witness that moment of transformation. Fuck, I always miss it. I go to the bathroom, I yawn and blink for a second too long, whatever. I always miss it. Change is getting weirder. Bizarre architectures, foreign or something. One night, I recognize it. 
from one of my stories, not a house that time, but a vast, deep, dark hole in the ground surrounded by a moat of water sparkling with green, blue, and brown light. Giant black tendrils erupt savagely from the hole in the ground, kept in check by the godly waters. Too weird. Not sleeping, not writing. Fuck. It's midnight. Can't sleep. The girlfriend and dog are curled up together, sleeping. They're beautiful. I get up. The house looks kind of futuristic tonight. I'm so fucking tired. Peculiar architecture, all curves and unusual angles. Don't recognize the material. Some kind of stone, but different, weird. The window slides open. A woman appears. She's naked, at least the part of her I can see. Dark wavy hair to her shoulders, light brown skin, big eyes, full lips, svelte with soft curves, full firm round breasts. Looks about 20. She notices me. Staring. She laughs. I love it when girls laugh. She turns away for a second and gestures with her hand. A second woman joins her. They look exactly the same. Twins? They laugh. I love it when they laugh. They touch each, each other's breasts, looking at me. I'm so hard, I feel like a teenager. They gesture for me to come join them. On my way out, I see the dog and my girlfriend on the bed, sleeping. I should stay here. I love her. She loves me. I go outside. The women are still at the window. They're the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. They look at me, gesture for me to come to them. Fuck, I'm almost screaming just thinking about them. I walk to the house, to the door, strange futuristic door. I have no idea how to open it. When I try to figure it out, it dissolves. And I see inside, and the girls are there on the floor. They're naked. They look at me with their mouths open just so. Fuck, they're gorgeous. And then I think, what happens if the house changes while I'm in there? Will I vanish along with it to another place with these girls? <laughs> but I love my girlfriend, and she loves me. I hear the girls moan. I'm trembling. My cock is almost ripping through my pants. I look at them. They're a fantasy. I run back home. Wake up the girlfriend. Dog growls and jumps out of bed. Take my clothes off. Kiss girlfriend. Have sex. I come right away. Then I make her come. Once, twice, three times. I love her. <laughs> I sleep for 15 hours. Lying in bed, waking up. I feel so good. Then phone call from Jasper. How's the story coming along? I lie. Phone rings again. Because story. Where's that lost page of story I promised her? I lie. Phone rings again. Savory needs to know when I'll hand in the manuscript. Book is listed in the new catalog, he reminds me. The phone, again, Halpern. Still wants a new story for that Paul de Filippo book. Fuck! I haven't written anything for months. Way behind. I don't feel so good anymore. Step out the door. Walking dog. It's not a house across the street today. It's a lush garden with a giant apple tree in the middle. With a naked man and a, a naked woman. They look kind of Jewish, except that the guy isn't circumcised. They're <laughs> contemplating the apple tree. There's a snake slithering around, a luminous, seductive snake. 
This is too weird. <laughs> the girlfriend says, she's worried about me. I seem troubled, distracted, asks about my writing. We fight. It gets real ugly. She storms out. I know it's my fault. Fuck. Today, the house is a bookshop. Not just any bookshop. Lost pages. The bookshop from my stories. The stuff my dreams are made of. Cliché, but true. I walk up to it. I peer through the window. Inside a man and a girl in her teens. It's Lucas and Adie. My characters. Me. I haven't written anything for months. I hear barking. I look back toward my house. My dog is looking at me through my office window, barking at me, telling me to come back. I think about my girlfriend. I love her. She loves me. I ha haven't written anything for months. I open the door to lost pages and step inside. And I do believe Mr. La Lumiere has amply demonstrated why we come here this evening, because no matter how many times any one of us might have read that story, none of us heard it with that delivery. Thank you very much, Claude. <laughs> uh, Coming up next, we have another just special treat. We are going to have Mr. Gregory Pritida and Lori Lee Gillahem are going to read a, a, from a script by Mr. Richard Lupoff. He's the author of, I want to say Lovecraft's book, but it's now Marblehead and more books than you can imagine, more books than I can remember. Uh, and I think that if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mr. Tita and Mr. and Ms. Uh, Gillahem were performing in a play uh, last year. Am I correct? We're two, two, years two, two years ago. Okay. Well, that's that shows how uh, my memory goes. Uh, well, come on up and tell us, uh, Dick. Do you want to come up and just uh, introduce the play? That what you, your story? Sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Lupoff is a, a genre veteran. He's written everything and anything for everyone. Um, give him a hand. <laughs> Get a little bit more on that mic. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.